welcome to Life with Ed, the podcast. I'm Julia Wirth, your host, a registered dietitian in New Haven, Connecticut. And um, I'm really excited to welcome you guys to the eighth and final episode in this eight-episode series <laughs> of season two. We will be coming back with an, another set of eight episodes, um, eight weeks in a row, starting April 20th. So don't worry, only a month off. Not going away for another year plus. Uh, so um, we already have those mostly planned out and we'll start recording soon. So you can get excited. But today I'm really excited to share with you a recording of one of the parent groups that I run on Wednesday evenings. So it's a good insight into some of the conversations and, and guests that we have at those groups. But this was an incredibly special one since it was a former client of mine or patient of mine who um, is now fully recovered. She's 15. She's a sophomore at Laurelton um, High School in Milford, Connecticut. I saw her for the first time and that was really the start of her eating disorder treatment and recovery journey um, on March 9th, 2020. So about two years ago. And she was really <laughs> deep in that eating disorder at that time and for more than a year following. And um, now she's been fully recovered for, wow, like over six months and is doing amazing. And I, I just think there's so much to learn from her um, today. Her name is Maya Dawid. You'll hear me introduce her in the episode and um, get to hear lots about her journey and how she tackled this eating disorder and hopefully it will help you be a better um, parent of someone with an eating disorder or recover from your own if that's where you're struggling. Um, I did want to let you know that between now and the next podcast episode release April 20th, we are launching the parent course um, as a purchasable separate item apart from the series that we run on Wednesday night. So on April 1st, that will become available on our website. Uh, it is an eight-week self-paced course and it takes you through everything from understanding like what eating disorders are and what different types of treatment are and unscrambling the acronym soup issue <laughs> of, of eating disorder recovery and treatment programs. Um, and then through, you know, handling outbursts, meal plating and meal plans, how to move towards a more sustainable recovery, uh, insurance issues, and a lot in between. It is a $200 course, but with code podcast, if you email me at worth, W-E-R-T-H, your while nutrition at gmail.com, you can get $25 off. So send me an email before April 1st, and that offer is valid, um, and I will get you registered for this course so without any further ado, um, we'll get you into listening to Maya Dowett. Here we go. Um, uh, sophomore at Laurelton, right, Maya? Sophomore? Yeah, sophomore. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting that you're presenting tonight because tonight I looked it up is exactly two years from the first day I saw you as a well, patient. Yeah. Um, which is really interesting. And that was sort of the start of your eating disorder treatment. Um, yeah. I, rem I remember telling you and your mom, like, I think, I think you have anorexia. I think this is a pretty big deal. And, you know, um, it was, and two years later, you're doing great, which is amazing. Um, but it wasn't a super smooth road. So uh, Maya definitely will talk about that a little bit. Um, and I just really love um, that she's here because I think one thing that's missing a lot for parents is just hearing from a team that like just went through it, right? Like a lot of providers may have had an eating disorder in the past, but it's not recent. And um, we have a hard time understanding like what our kids are even thinking half the time. So um, Maya, you know, just, you know, in the last six months is um, recovered and uh, I think has a very fresh experience to share. Did I miss anything I should say, Maya? No, that's pretty spot on. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, so the first question that I got for you, Maya, is can you explain what eating disorder thoughts are like? That's a phrase that 
providers use a lot. They try to tell parents like, well, this is the eating disorder thought and this is your child. And I think that's a very like confusing phrase sometimes. Um, so could you try to explain to parents like, what is that? And what is, how did that feel for you? Yeah, so there's like definitely a difference between your thoughts and what your eating disorder part of your brain like tells you every day, like every second. Um, so when someone says to you like, oh, that's just your eating disorder thoughts, like <laughs> it really truly is not your, your child. It's really just like the disease speaking, like it's the disease saying all these like horrible and negative things that like you, you believe. And when someone says that, it's like, it's like, you don't truly believe it yourself, but then like you hear it so much in your head that you just like start to believe it. And then it's, that's what an eating disorder thought is. So it's not really like your thought because you don't want to say that it's you because like, it's not your child. Like it's not, it's not your child behaving like this or thinking like this at all. It's the disease that's like in your brain that keeps like planting these seeds in your head that truly like hurt so bad to hear. So that's, yeah. Can you talk about like what helped you make the like, um, distinguish like I guess yeah what helped you distinguish between those types of thoughts right like the thought that is in your head maybe making you do these bizarre behaviors like restriction or whatever else and the thoughts that are like maybe typical for teens like I don't like my shirt today or like I feel like I look weird right like what helped you like distinguish there because like there's such like an extent where it's like actually just like sad to think about that like your thoughts could be like that truly bad about yourself like thinking like oh my god I'm disgusting I don't even want anyone to see me like this I don't want to leave the house I look like this and like you can sort of tell when one is an eating disorder thought and one is not because of how irrational like your eating disorder thought is and like for example one could be like um I can't eat this this half of the bread because this half of the bread will make me fat like you can tell like that's such an eating disorder thought because obviously one half of a slice of bread is not going to make you fat so I feel like you can kind of tell when it's your thoughts versus your your eating disorder talking to you when you can just see how rational it is but obviously you can't like you like the person going through the eating disorder cannot tell that at the moment but I think that it's important for the uh the parents to know that like there is a big difference based on what your child is thinking versus what your eating disorder is saying so like that's how you can tell when your child is is talking and it's your eating disorder because there are moments where you'll be having conversations like actually conversations and your eating disorder will be talking to you or, and your, your child won't be like, that's how hard it is to control because it's like, you don't even know when you're going through it. Like you don't even know that it's your eating disorder, but as somebody listening in, like that's the best. Yeah. I have a question, Maya. So what helped you kind of identify and identify and know what the difference was like when your eating disorder voice was saying something compared to when it was just you know your typical teen voice for me like as a person who's going through the eating disorder you may not even be able to realize it until you are like on the way to recover like I know that like I did not think that it was my eating disorder talking until I was in the mindset where I was like fully in recovery. So to answer, like, there's like a good chance that your child will like not know at this point. And Maya, do you remember like when it sort of clicked for you? Like, that's not my thoughts. 
Um, yeah, I would say like, like once I was fully ready, which do you mean like a time or like, do you just like, like, yeah. Do you remember like a day or something that happened or like an example of when you were like, oh, that's a really weird, irrational thought that I'm having. Um, I mean, there's a lot of times that I guess I can say one is I was like pretty like good recovering, like, re- like really like doing good, but there were still some thoughts that like were hard for me and me and my mom, like we always had this like big thing about getting ice cream. Like that was like our thing together. And we missed out on that for so long because I was like, I can't, I can't do that. It's ice cream. Like I can't do that. And one day, like she was just like, okay, come on, let's go get ice cream. And I'm like, mom, you know, I can't do that. And it's like, it's like, you almost just get into this like mode where you're like, I, I've been away from it for like so long that I can't even like it's like, I'm just like automatically like someone says ice cream. And I'm like, no, like, it's like so long, but then, but then like, she was like, well, why not? And I was like, yeah, wait, why not? And that's one moment where I definitely like realized to myself, like, okay, yeah, I can do it. Like, what? Well, like, why can't I? Nobody's like telling me I can't eat ice cream besides myself. And that's yeah. just false to even think about. Yeah, I think that's a good way, a good example, because a lot of times with my patients, I'll see that it clicks in session when you're able to ask that, like, why question, and they can actually answer it. Um, I guess I'm wondering, you know, when the thoughts started, was it a kind of a gradual um, kind of, you know, you, you have a, a thought about something about restricting, like once a day, and then a couple weeks later, it's, you know, two or three times a day. I'm just kind of wondering, like, how like how it gains traction or was it, or um, do you think there's some event that kind of made it the, the onset happen? Um, I'm just kind of looking, I know from what I can tell it happens differently for a lot of people. Um, I'm just kind of wondering, um, you know, looking at our own child's experience, um, you know, there was, uh, it was very much in terms of COVID and what you had as first, you know, seems to be before COVID um, two years ago. I'm just kind of wondering how, how it got traction um, or how, how you think it kind of got, got going. And thank you for your being with us. I really appreciate it. Of course. So wait, are you asking like <coughs> how the thoughts started or like how did they keep progressing? More? No, how, how did the, have you thought about when these kinds of thoughts started? Um, like how did it take hold? Like there, maybe how the eating disorder took hold? Yeah. Saying? Um, well, what started for me was I was like, I was like very like, people always used to comment about the way I looked when I was um, younger and like growing up. So I guess that kind of like planted something in my head that I was like wrong. I looked bad and nobody wanted to like associate with me because of the way I looked. So um, that like definitely started things and how it like really started was I was just like, oh, I'm just gonna start this diet you know go to the gym work out like this Mm -hmm. and you were like 12 or 13 yeah yeah and um and so I was like yeah this is gonna be great I'm just gonna work out a little bit like get get in shape and stuff and then I noticed that like what would be like breakfast lunch and dinner would be like lunch and dinner and then it would be um just dinner and then it would be like a snack and then it would just be like nothing at all and it like it happens so fast that you don't even realize and no, like no one around you really realizes because it's like it's not even really common that like eating disorders are like happening so like when you see someone like not eating that much you wouldn't think like an eating disorder until it starts to get bad and I'm like so grateful that my mom and my dad noticed like when they did because it was like right at like right before it started to get really bad so I was able to go into uh, treatment and such um but to answer your question like it really starts off as something like no one in their head or at least I hope not like says okay let's get like let me just get this eating disorder and that's like the worst part because it's like it starts off with something so 
innocent and something like so oh everybody does this but then it just turns into something that for me was like the worst time I think I will ever go through in my whole life and I did have my eating disorder like during COVID as well so I mean that like that definitely was like not good for me to have it during COVID and lockdown and all of that. So I totally know what your daughter is going through with, or your child is going through. Like it's, it's very hard, very hard. Thank you so much. You're welcome. So the next question that I have for you, Maya, is what was the most helpful thing your parents did during treatment? Because I think every parent wants to know. Yeah. <laughs> okay I made like a I made like a list I knew this was going to be a popular yeah. question so so there's like a lot of things I was so grateful that I had parents I like just like you guys like always like doing these support groups and stuff which is like definitely one step to do something that is helpful um one thing that I said was to like include me in treatment options but that's like to an extent because I feel like you have to be careful with that because your child, I know for me, I tried to manipulate my parents so hard that I was like, I had to get sent back to residential. Um, I was in residential once and I had to get sent back second time. And when I went back, I was like, no, I don't need this. I don't need to do this. When I was like, clearly the worst I've ever been and you have to like know how to like not be like you have to know how to not be your daughter or your child's like best friend at the same time too because you can't always give them what they want because it's more like what they need but also like if you know one thing works better for them then and they're telling you that then the chances are that it's good but you also have to be very careful about the certain like listening to them because nobody wants to nobody like really no one wants to go Maya how did you I guess, or how did your parents, how did you and your parents get to that, I guess, point where you were, or maybe it was some of your providers too that felt that you really needed to go back to inpatient or residential? Um, I know for like, for me, it was always like, but this is not always what to go by. But for me personally, it was because my weight was like so low that like I needed it. But you can also glance at like their ability to their ability to be able to do their fear foods if they have them, like if they're able to do like if they're if they're kind of like stuck in one place and not advancing forward, definitely um, because it's like you're kind of just at where you're at and like you're comfortable but like you that doesn't mean you're recovered um so that's like one thing to know because that was also a big thing for me was I was just stuck in one spot I feel like if like in PHP or IOP if you guys are familiar with that but I was stuck and needed a little push so that's something else um also just like glancing at like how comfortable they are still like if if they're comfortable around food and like you can even like do exposures with your child to even like see if you know if they're ready to do stuff like if one of their challenges is going out to eat try that and if they can't I mean that's something that like that's like you need to you need to be able to do that but it's not always by weight because somebody one thing I can say as Maya's provider before she went to residential the first time like for for her it was really like not able to meet goals again and again and again and that's something that like Rachel and Natalia and I in our practice really look at is like is the client repeatedly unable to meet their goals or are they unable to like try even to meet their goals and if that's the case then the level of care whether that's in outpatient, PHP, IOP, or residential is not appropriate. 
And it doesn't always mean like going up. Like I think Maya will get to talking later. Like, you know, at one point she was in PHP and IO that helped that time um, for her to get better. And, but sometimes it is going up, right? To residential, if you need that. But basically if you're stuck, not progressing, as she said, you need a Cool. Um, and what was the least helpful, Maya? Okay. Um, I would say that the least helpful would, there's, there's, I would say there's two most least helpful. There's one which like should be the obvious, but like, it's like, don't talk about um, like diets to your child or like bring up like hard things like that like exercising and stuff like that like even if that means like don't exercise for a little while like yourself like then you should probably do it because I know that sometimes if my sister would like go to the gym or do workout it would like I don't know it would kind of trigger me a little bit like I'd want to do that but I, I obviously couldn't um and just like making comments about their food like even in like the smallest ways like I mean I know that like saying like um like you're gonna eat all that like I mean that doesn't sound like something bad but like hearing that and you have an eating disorder is like that's like it like that's like that that's like bad <laughs> to hear um and it just makes you like not want to progress to eating that or like making comments like I know for me like if I used to eat meals with my grandma because I'm like very close to my grandma um she didn't was not like had like no knowledge about this so she'd always be like what are you eating like oh is that all you're eating like you're eating that much or you're doing that it was just it's just better to be safe than sorry and just not say anything at all about what they're what they're eating um that's like one thing I would very much recommend because like you never know how their eating disorder voice is gonna like take that comment that you made and you never know if they're gonna make it a bad thing which would be like the worst thing um and I would say also to like expect the unexpected because I know that I did things to my parents that I just it's like hard for me to even think about that like I really like did this like I manipulated so much to them I, I like I just it's like hard to think about that I was this like I was I was like this sick that I had to do this like I know one time when my mom was she told me that I had to go to residential a second time again and I literally we were in the car and like when we parked I I just started like walking I started to leave my house just by myself I just walked away I was so hurt this was like I I knew how like hard going the first time was into here I had to go a second time and just like being reminded that this is gonna have this is I'm gonna have to get better during the stage was just like I just couldn't deal with it I just walked and just end up like at my beach and my mom followed me the whole way and she then we just end up having a good conversation about just like you need to know like what your daughter or child needs like you need to know that and they're gonna try and say all the things that they can say to you to try and change your mind and say anything they can to not go into that treatment because nobody does nobody wants to but you have to like know what your child needs because for my mom my mom was told it's either to see your your daughter sad or to see your daughter like in the hospital bed not not being okay not or not even surviving that's how bad it got for me and I know that that's what stayed in my my mom's head that you have to do what you have to do and it's gonna hurt it's gonna be really bad my mom obviously didn't want to not be with me for however long I was away from home for but she knew that it was either that or I I could not have made it I couldn't have made it this far so mm -hmm. and trust me you will be so happy that you made this choice like 
you'll be so happy because it really does help and like just like look at me like I'm so happy like I've never been this happy before and this is just after my eating disorder that I seriously thought was never going to end like ever and everybody I mean Julia I know you can probably say you never thought that this was gonna end right? <laughs> yeah um, well I will say that um the first thing you said Maya about you know the the mom or dad whoever is involved or both as the parents not being your friend and being like the person to make the tough decisions to get you better those are the families that do like the kids end up recovering because like they're not able to make that tough call and you know you you just can't always be the friends you can't oh even if it's like even in not eating disorder things right like in teenager life in general right you can't be the friend yet and um that that makes all the difference and then you see someone like Maya who's like so appreciative of her mom you know for for making her cry at the beach right because she got better so I think like it's good to remember that it'll come back and and they'll appreciate you for what you did um so that for sure but I I did you know I was skeptical that you when you discharged so it was last April right when you discharged from residential the second time and she stepped straight from residential to outpatient pretty much like you were were in PHP for a little while but pretty much straight to outpatient and Uh, when I got out of residential I did IOP um but like working well I mean yeah, I did IOP. We can like get into like the treatment stuff. Like, yeah. Like I did IOP and then I just realized outpatient was probably like the better thing. Yeah. But it was like a quick, like most people have like a gradual like step down. I just remember your team at the treatment center calling me and are like, are you sure you're able to take on this liability of like her coming out? Maybe not, maybe not medically stable. And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> but you did really well so it's good um okay so what was beneficial about residential php as compared to outpatient treatment so the good parts about it all right so the good part so i'll start with iop um actually no i'll start with residential i think that when i went into residential i that's when I had to cut out everything. Like I, there was no getting away with every anything at all. Like you were, you were there, and that was it. Like you couldn't get away with any of your behaviors that you might have. Like, oh, one of my behaviors would be like hiding food. So I would like take my food and just like I don't know, put it in my pocket and just throw it out later. But I mean, I you can't do that when you're being watched. Like all the time so I would say like if your child has like a lot of behaviors that they just cannot like get over at all um that would probably be like a good route there was also like a lot of uh group work there was um oh yeah there was like all the time support so like no matter what I bonded really well with the counselors there and the therapists there um which is like always helpful you also are like living with people that are going through similar things than you. Um, so it's always nice. You, I made a lot of friends there too as well. Um, so that is, I, I think that residential was very helpful for me. Um, I would just recommend that if you're going to go like a second time, maybe or third time, like I would say just switch up your places that you're going to because I found that like I went I went to the same one twice and I just was kind of like just repeating the same thing over, um, which just caused me to just like be even worse when I left the second time. So yeah, but I do think that residential is very helpful and it almost just like forces you to like snap out of it and do what you need to do there. Um, PHP. Um, I, I liked PHP because it was, it was, it's like residential, but you're not sleeping there. It's like seven hours. So you're there like all day. 
um I liked it because we were in the group setting and we could like always talk and always like have discussions um I like group therapy because like you were learning about others and like learning more about yourself as well and then IOP was just uh like I think it was I think it's three hours a day mm-hmm. and it's for like one meal um I did like that because I liked being if your child is more like individual like I liked being like I like being like doing in, independent stuff so that was like I'd go for one meal and then like continue my work with like my therapist or whatnot and that was helpful because say if you had one challenging meal like I know mine was lunch so I would go for lunch at lunchtime so I would at least have support there at that time and that's very helpful because you also get to pick and choose um and then for like just outpatient I I really like found myself um well, at first it didn't work for me, but after I went through all of the treatments and I gathered all the resources I need, like I knew all the skills, I knew how to do this, I knew how to do that, deal with my thoughts. I, that That's when I decided that I think outpatient would be the best because I really do like being independent. And it was just at the point where I was like, it was like I was in PHP it was like every single day for seven hours and I just like couldn't like take it it was like actually like painful to go through and I just knew that I needed like something different I was just going and I was I felt myself like going back and just like I felt myself just going back to relapsing just after coming out of residential so I think that if it's really not working then definitely try a higher level of care and then like gauge out what works for your child because it may be that like PHP and IOP does work, but um, like outpatient could always work too, mm-hmm. which was something like not, when everybody heard I was going outpatient, they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, it was like, that's, you can't do that, but it was actually very helpful. So it's like really what you think will actually be very helpful. And I'm happy that I had a team that like listened to me because I mean, in the long run, it did it did really work out for me. And so one thing Maya sort of explains very well just there was treatment fatigue. So like when you've done something before, right? Like you went to residential twice and you were like, I have done everything here, right? And you just feel frustrated. Or when you're in PHP again and again and again, and it's like you're not learning anything new and almost being at treatment is making it worse, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think you just said like the thing that helped you get out of treatment fatigue was switching the type of treatment. Is that right? Yeah, because like there's a point where like you're at a place and they have like a schedule and like the schedule just starts to repeat. And I was like, wait, I did this group before. And it was like, I'm just like doing the same things over and over again. That's how like I realized like this is not helping. And that's, and that's also how like the, like the team realized like this is not working. I'm not making any progress and we're already on this. We've already learned this. So it's like, then you can also gauge if you need more because then you're like, okay, there's been no progress made at all. Like that's saying a lot. Mm-hmm. And one thing I'll say about the outpatient setting, that's, this would be good for all parents to definitely understand is that, you know, when, when kids discharge or adults from residential, it is actually the most common time for a relapse because you're going from this super structured supportive setting to nothing, right? Like just home. So I have had several clients, including Maya, um, in our practice that actually fully recovered once they had in like outpatient at home, even though they weren't recommended for outpatient medically at that point, because they needed to learn how to be well at home, right? Like you need to learn how to eat all your meals without a treatment team like standing over you and you need to like 
make those changes at home eventually. And so for some people that needs a little bit more pressure, um, like, you know, well, if you don't do this, like tomorrow you're going back to, to residential or whatever it is or the hospital. And, and just that has worked for some people that outpatient is the place where they eventually get, get better. And just to like, like look at it like this, like both of the times that I've came out of residential, like it's like you have to also keep in mind because eating disorder is so like it works its way in it works its way out when it needs to be so when I got out the first time everything was going great everything was going good and then it just it, it slowly it's very 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 slowly started to unpack and leaving this out led to leaving this out and oh I, I could leave this part of my meal out okay let me just leave this out so it's like it works very very slow like relapsing um and it's so hard to notice until it's just it's just like bad and that's it's very hard to gauge at that um so that's also something to just like look out for and just know that like everything like your child does like you just have to while they're still in treatment like you really have to just like watch and just I know they're they're they will yell at you and hate you and stuff but it's very important to just like do what what your gut okay um what helped you regain motivation in the outpatient setting so we've talked about that you like you know bounced back and forth between all the levels of care when you were finally an outpatient almost a year ago, like April, 2021, you discharged. What helped you regain motivation? Cause you were pretty unmotivated at that time. Yeah. I was like, had no motivation at all, but when you're in the PHP program and like, it's like you have, you have like no life out of your, like your eating disorder at that point, because for me, I was in, it's like, Think it's like 12 to 7 or 11 to 7 are the hours and like at that time like yeah I mean you can do something after but it's like I was so exhausted so it's like I wasn't having any social life like I wasn't doing anything really I can't I couldn't do anything I was like in this program all day I was like not even like going to school like I couldn't be at school because I had to stop because it was also just challenging for me to even go to school because of my eating disorder. Um, but I was not like seeing my friends. I was like not doing anything I wanted to do. And I once I started going into outpatient, I had my days back. I mean, obviously I had, I know I had, I think, yeah, I had three meetings with my therapist a week and like two with my dietitian a week and then a psychiatrist and then um I did also like neurofeedback to help like retrain my brain um so like I had an appointment every day but there was still time during the day where I could still go out and see my friends and I know that like wanting to get back to a normal life and wanting to like feel normal and do normal things was like one of my biggest motivations. So I just wanted to like do what my friends were doing. I wanted to be able to go out for lunch with my friends or go out to dinner with my friends and like be able to dress up and not be like covering my stomach because I hated how it looked. And I wanted to be able to like, like just live my life again and not be like so consumed with like food, exercise, calories, my body. Like, and that's when like, slowly but surely like I really just started to be like I am so done with this like I'm so done I this has been long enough and and it also helped with my my family as well they were always there for me that's like like I couldn't do it without them but it was also just like as I started to get more in recovery um and like really asserting myself into it and like knowing I wanted it my family my mainly like my mom she always asked me to because obviously my favorite foods were my fear foods so it was always like come on let's go get this or let's go eat this or let's go do this and then 
that is what really helped me because she was pushing me to do it. And I knew that if I wanted to feel normal and I wanted to be normal, that I needed to eat the foods that I love to eat. Um, so that's definitely something that's very helpful as well. Like pushing your child when they get to that stage. Cause like, if you're just at the stage where they're not in it, they're just going to yell at you probably. But, um, I know that like, that was very helpful. And I mean, motivation like is different for everyone, but I know that wanting to feel normal and wanting to be normal and wanting to think about normal things on my brain to be like full of teenager things, not like dieting and things like that. Um, oh, another thing was I love playing softball. Um, and I just like, I obviously couldn't, um, but it was starting to, it's like was starting to be softball season and I really just wanted to play so bad. Um, and that was like something I always thought about. Um, but a lot of these things like did not start for me to think about until I really started to want it a lot. And there's always like a click moment for everyone. I know that mine was, I was like, I was going on a walk with my mom, I think, just like walking around my neighborhood. And I was in IOP, like, and this was when I was about to go into outpatient. And she was like, are you really going to do this? Like, are you really going to do this in outpatient? Like, are you really going to? Because if not, then that's going to be really bad because I'm taking you out of this program when you're not ready at all. And I could get in like serious trouble for doing this. Um, and I was just like, I kind of just thought to myself, like, what am I doing? My mom is over here, like running around crazy. And she's like doing all this stuff for me. And I just, that's when it really like hit me that I was like, wow, I really need to think about what I'm doing. And I really need to get this together for my sake, my family's sake. They're all running around crazy. And I just it's like once that moment like hits you, like there's no like going back. And that's something that always motivated me and my family. So I knew how much they care as well. I'm like, I'm very big on like family and like they always, they always did everything that they possibly could. So I feel like motivation for anybody comes from what you like truly love and like your values that you have. Um, so and if you know their child like loves to play a sport that's always like that's always like big because I know I always wanted to play my sport but I, I couldn't yeah I'll say to add two things to that that I remember at least one related to you and one more general um didn't you get a puppy yeah I did I did get <laughs> Like the first or second week you transitioned to all outpatient, you brought a puppy to your appointment. <laughs> yeah. And I remember like your mom saying, yeah, I think it's crazy, but I think it's motivating her to have this other. I don't know like, how I left that out. <laughs> yeah, my dog, I, I was like, I really wanted a dog so bad. I was like, mom, I promise you I'll do everything for this dog. <laughs> And she was like, all right, I guess so. So we ended up buying the dog. And then I was like, I can't leave this thing. I can't. And that was on the cusp of going back to residential. Yeah, you like were not well at that time. Yeah, no. yeah very risky because then they would have had to take care of another dog by themselves. But yeah, that was like on the cusp of going back a third time to residential. So I, yeah, I really needed to. That, I'm not saying go and get your dog, but that, well, that I think for me. you and the thing to take away from that is like when you had a responsibility, like a big responsibility, you were like, okay, I need to do this. And for some of my adult patients, one thing that's super helpful is like when they want to have children, they're like, oh, like I need to get this under control because one, I probably can't have a kid if I don't have my period, if that's one of their issues. And two, like can't really be a good mom or dad if you're struggling with this eating disorder. So those definitely just that responsibility aspect comes up again and again with patients. Yeah, that was definitely another thing. Obviously I'm young, but I was told that I like, I, if I continue this, I can't have a kid. Like, 
my I didn't get my period for uh two years but now I get it regularly so I'm so thankful for that um but I yeah and I was like being told I couldn't have kids that was like very very hard to hear obviously I really want kids when I'm older um and knowing I could never be a good mother to them either because I would be too consumed with myself as well so yeah yeah all good points. I have a question, Maya. Ooh. I'm just curious um, how your relationship with your friends may have changed when um, going through your eating disorder and how did they support you? Um, my relationships with everybody was like at a pause at that time because with my friends, so I have like one um big best friend like that's like my best friend so it's a lot just like her and we have like other side friends but really I liked I did not want anyone to know about this like I, mm. I wanted to be like myself so I really only told her um everyone else I don't know what they thought when I was away for like four months but um with it when it was just her she was so like she was always there for me um which is something I was also very thankful for because she always like helped me and also she was like a motivation as well because she would always push me she'd be like okay you want to go out to lunch then um and I'd be like yeah sure and just seeing somebody also like my age and someone that is like I look up who and seeing her doing the things that like I can't do going out to eat and getting food or like going and getting fear foods and her seeing her do them all the time was also very helpful as well um but it was hard like not seeing her for when I was in res- I was like in residential for like two months the first time and I think like four months the second time so it was hard to like not see her for that long of time and I went during COVID so we couldn't have visitors it was like just on FaceTime um that I got to talk to her um but yeah it was definitely hard but it was like it was always nice to see that she was doing things that I couldn't do because mm-hmm. I was motivated okay awesome Maya, any last thoughts or pieces of advice you would give to your parents if you could talk to them two years ago? Um, I just want to say that I know, like, when I'm, like, looking at all of you, I really just, like, think of my parents, like, they were in this exact spot, and, like, if they, like, if they were to talk back then, like, it was, like, their life was, like, dark like it was so sad it was so depressing to see like your child going through something that like was so like consumed their whole life um and I always just like am so thankful that they cared so much and they did even though what was very hard for them they always did it like no matter what um and I just want like everybody to know that this will past like this will come to an end like this will be okay this everything is going to be like you're going to get your daughter back for better like I know I am a lot more happier I feel a lot better about myself I look at everything different I gained a new perspective on everything prior to my eating disorder during my eating disorder like everything is so much better than before or during um and like I would not like give this up for like going through this. This was like the hardest two years I think I will ever, ever, ever go through. But I would not give it up for anything because I've learned so much. I've like gained so much from it. Um, And now I get to look back and like be so happy with myself every single day. I would like be surprising myself about everything I used to do um and I'd just be like my old self would just be so happy because I get to like do things I know that I could like never thought I would ever do again in my life and like I'm able to celebrate birthdays to go out to dinner with my family and like it's all something that is like all something that is like I love doing like I love food I love 
everything around food. I love everything about it. Um, and I seriously like I I'm so not happy that it happened, but it's it's okay that it happened because I seriously like grown so much from it. And I know that like YouTube parents will grow too, like be a lot happier too as well. Um, just know that it will pass. My mom always said she never thought she always said it was in thought she was gonna be like this forever, but it does. And once it does, it's like truly amazing to to see. And like every day, my mom says stuff. Like, oh my god, this would have been so hard a year ago, or this would have been such a challenge a year ago. And yeah, yeah. And I also want to say. To Julia, um, I know that I was like, I know that I stopped seeing you because you were too good at your job. You like knew what you knew what I was doing. Um, so I want to apologize for that, but at oh. the same time, say like I'm so grateful for you too because you really like put me in line and you knew <laughs> my tricks. Um, oh like, yeah. Well, this has been the best hour as a provider, just getting to see how fabulous you're doing. And I'm sure Rachel, who she ended up seeing Rachel, my associate after, and like she wants to hear all about this because it's just amazing to see how great you're doing. Um, and and it's only two years ago that we first saw you. So it's not even, you know, not even too crazy long. Um, mm-hmm. Any final thoughts or things for Maya? I'll just I'm going. I just I just want to say thank you so much. Like, yeah. <laughs> you're just so brave. Like I'm tearing up. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Maya. Thanks for everyone for coming. Um, and if anyone has any like other thoughts, yeah, I want to give Maya a round of applause too, John. Thank you. That was awesome. Um, yeah, and have a great rest of your evening and week. Okay. Mm-hmm.